It's like a choir out there. Standing there, I just felt at times turned around. I was like, man, there's a choir in the room tonight. I like that. You guys got some harmonies going. Some of you are like, what's a harmony? I don't even know what that is. It's all right. It's all right. We'll explain later. But how good is it to be at church tonight? How good is it to be at church tonight? You guys understand that this is a privilege. This is a privilege. In the day and age we live in today, not many people, if you go outside of the U.S., have this opportunity. We are blessed. And so tonight, I didn't just show up having two weeks off. Thank the Lord for that. Thank you for an amazing team that allows my, myself and my wife to just receive for a couple weeks. But I didn't just show up just to have church. Actually, I never really show up just to have church if I'm on the mic. I showed up to see revival happen in this place tonight. I've shown up to this place believing and expecting for God to do something crazy. For God to speak to you. Each and every one of you, listen to this. He's got a word for you tonight. That sounds weird, JP. I promise you. That voice that you hear. That stirring that you hear. That thing that you're feeling right now. That's the spirit of God moving in this place. And so we've prayed, we've asked all week for God to show up and to reach you. And I believe tonight, as we continue in this series called The Wonders, somebody is going to hear from heaven. But I pray all of us are encouraged tonight. Amen? Amen. How good has The Wonders series been? You guys enjoyed this series? Yes? Yes? A couple of you? Praise God. That's good. Yeah. It's been good. We've had the privilege to hear from Pastor Zach two weeks ago and Henry last week, if you were here, and just blessed us and encouraged us. But tonight we're back at it in John Chapter 9, so as you get your Bibles out or your smartphones, we're going to read that tonight as we kick off this sermon entitled, The Wonders on Display. Love that picture. And I'm going to read this, but I want to just give a quick background to what's happening on the scene, because this may be a new story for some of you, and that's okay. If you're like, where's the book of John? I'm new. It's all right. There's a table of contents there. You can look it up or ask your neighbor, right? They'll tell you. They'll point it out to you. But hey, if you don't have a Bible and you're in this room tonight, let me just say this. There's Bibles on the back table. Take them. They're free. You can steal them. No one will chase you down. They're yours. Cool? All right, awesome. There's some people that are like, yeah, it's amazing. Putting under their coats, like, can I take this? It's free. Take it. We love the Word of God. We believe in the Word of God. This is what speaks truth and life to us day in and day out. Let me just set up the scene real quick before we talk about this. Jesus has done some incredible miracles here on earth. He has shown the people who he is. He's on the earth, moving, walking, changing, restoring, doing miracles, signs, and wonders. It's awesome. I wish I was a part of it. I still am today. Catch that. And so Jesus is there, and now guess what happens? All those people that are religious start to investigate him. They get a little upset with him. Nothing new today, as it was happening 2,000 plus years ago. They start to say, you're not the Savior, you're not the King, you're not the one that we read about in the old law, the Old Testament. That's not you. And they get ticked off. <laughs> they get really upset. And so Jesus is speaking to his people, the Jews, his chosen people. He's trying to explain to them, no, I am the Son of God. I am here to save you. Follow me. I promise you'll have a life and a life abundant. And people are fighting him. Nothing new today. You guys are like, he's yelling. He had two weeks off. He hasn't been able to talk to anybody. It's true. It's amazing. But I'm going to go in tonight. It's going to happen. 
Jesus is now at the place where people, the Pharisees, picking up stones, and they're going to stone Jesus. Not this kind of stone, literal picking up a rock and throwing him at him. That's the scene. Can you guys say with me? Woo! Jesus now has to slip away. He's got to get out of there. Not because he was afraid. He could have spoke one word. Those dudes would have went drop dead. But it wasn't his time yet. It wasn't his time to stop showing his glory and his wonders here on the earth. It wasn't time for him to go to the cross yet. So he had to slip away. So he slipped away and he's on his way out, right? So picture this. He's with all his people. His people. And they're dismissing him. They're telling him to go. So this is where we pick it up. John chapter 9, verse 1. If you don't have your Bibles, it's going to be up on the screen. But it says this. As he went along, he saw a man blind from birth. His disciples asked him, (laughs) the disciples, these guys, you would think they'd have it together by now. You would honestly think after a few miracles feeding 5,000 people, they'd get their stuff together. They don't got their stuff together. Anybody else relate to that? Me. They say this, Rabbi, Jesus, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Basically, Jesus... Give me an explanation why this dude's blind. Was his parents' fault? What was it? Jesus responds, neither this man nor his parents sinned, said Jesus. But this happened so that the works of God might be displayed in him. As long as it is day, we must do the works of him who sent me. Night is coming when no one can work. While I am in the world, I am the light of the world. Thank you, Jesus. After saying this, (laughs) he spit on the ground. We're going to talk about that. Made some mud and with the saliva and put it in the man's eyes. Jesus, what are you doing? He spit on the ground, made some mud and put it on the dude's eyes. Anybody else think that's weird? Me, just me. Praise the Lord. And then he said, go. He told him, wash in the pool a siloam, which means sent. So the man went and washed and came home, seeing his neighbors and those who had formerly seen him begging, asked, isn't this the same man who used to sit and beg? Some claim that he was. Don't you love people that remind you of who you used to be? Shut those people out. I told you, I'm just going to preach. Shut them out. Isn't that the man that was blind begging? He was healed. He was new. Others said, nope, he only looks like him. But he himself insisted, I am the man. How then were your eyes open? The religious people asked. He replied, the man they called Jesus made some mud and put it on my eyes. He told me to go to Siloam and wash. So I went and washed. And then I could see. Where is this man, they asked him. I don't know. (laughs) I don't know where he's at. They brought to the Pharisees the man who had been blind. Jesus, this is your words. Thank you for this example. It's a mighty example. It's a powerful example. We trust you and we believe in you. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. I love that story of Jesus. It's amazing. Jesus is running. He's slipping away from people in fear of his life. But how many of you know that as Jesus was running because people wanted to throw some stones and kill him, He had somebody on his mind. 
he had somebody to reach. He put fear, he put chaos, he put hate aside. He said, nope, I'm going after that guy. I'm running after that guy. I still have some work to do. My works are still on display today. I love that story. I love that he runs towards someone. You know that Jesus is running towards you right now. This is interactive. You know that. Maybe you don't know that. So let me just say this. Jesus is running after you. He is running full speed ahead after you. He wants you. He desires you. He desperately wants to be in relationship with you. And he's the only one that his love is never going to fail, never going to end, never. My wife is amazing. I love her. But she will never love me the way Jesus loves me. His love surpasses all understanding. He was running towards this man so that his works, his glory could be on display. He had his eyes on people. Church, I don't ever want to be a church that just is consumed with me. We talked about this in our DNA class not too long ago tonight. We want to have eyes on all people because Jesus had eyes for all people. No matter where they came from, no matter what was wrong with them, no matter what sin and garbage they carried, he was like, I'm going after people. Not just my people, not just the Jews, but everybody. I came to save this world. I came for the whosoevers, not some of them. We believe that in, that ch- in this church. I could say a lot more, but stick to the notes. He came for the whosoever would just believe. But the display, the wonders. You know, we go to museums all the time. We as people, as humans, go and check out amazing museums. We go and look at architecture all over the world. We go and we stand in awe and wonder and, man, isn't that amazing? Isn't that beautiful? Look at that display. Oftentimes it's very amazing. It's very beautiful. Me and my wife were just in Atlanta last weekend. And we went down and we stayed with her brother and, Her brother's the smartest individual I ever met. Like, smartest. This dude has a photographic memory. Like, if I wanted to know something about X, Y, and Z, he would know everything and anything about X, Y, and Z. It's really frustrating at times. I know nothing that he doesn't know. I'm like, dude, I want to tell you something. Oh, I already know that. Hey, let me tell you this and this. I love him. He's one of my best friends. But he's like, hey, man, we're going to go to the museums. And we went to, (laughs) how many, five museums in like a day and a half? That is overload. Like, looking at all these amazing displays and museums, I was like, she was sitting at a restaurant when we got done. She's like, what's wrong with you? I was like, I'm about to fall asleep. I'm just like censored overload. But we went and saw five museums because there was stuff on display. We go to these things because we want to see them. I was in high school, too, one time, and I was a junior, and I was in physics. Lord knows I was not passing physics without his help. Just not happening. And I had this project to do. It was called building a bridge out of toothpicks. (laughs) They're like, this is going to help you pass the semester or fail the semester. And so let me just have a little moment. I was failing the semester. And I needed this grade. So he's like, you got one shot, Jay. You got to make this bridge and you got to hold a lot of weight. I was like, okay, okay, cool. That's easy. And he was like, easy. And I was like, it's easy. It's easy. What he didn't know, my grandfather... Love him, dad's side, amazing man, old Italian guy, hefty little fella, just amazing, amazing dude. 
Love that guy. He ate so much food. We ate all the time together. I go on and on about him. <laughs> he was like a leading engineer in bridge designs. Yay! Haha, <laughs> yes! He designed bridges for a lifetime. I called him. I was like, Pops, Gramps, great idea. I'm going to come hang out with you. He's like, yeah, sure. I'll have to see you. Walk over. I got toothpicks and some Gorilla Glue. <laughs> He's like, what are we doing today? I was like, building a bridge. He's like, oh, seriously? I was like, seriously, we're building a bridge. I take this bridge in. It's like one of those moments, you know, when you're like the man. I'm like walking in with an elevator like, yeah, here we go. Check this out, class. You see what I'm about to do? I'm about to hold the most weight in this class. And they're all looking at me like, Jay, you can't even do these problems. Like, you can't even do homework. I'm like, I know, but I got a bridge. I got a bridge that's going to be strong. How many of you know that bridge held almost 95 pounds of weight? True story. <laughs> it was awesome. They kept it on display for a week and a half with the weight on it, and it wouldn't break. They were like, what did you do? I was like, I got a gift from Jesus. I got a gift. <laughs> my professor later on, my teacher asked me, what would you do? I was honest with him. He's like, you know what, if I didn't like you, you'd fail. I was like, thank you for not failing me. But how many of you know I was weak in that moment? If I really had to build a bridge... Lord knows, if I didn't have that help from my grandfather, the brains and the love for him to pour into me, how many of you know my weakness? I would have holded two pounds of weight on that thing. And that bridge would have fallen like a lot of other kids. I was weak. I was weak, but you know what? Something strong was on display. Something that could hold a lot of weight was on display. This getting to you. How many of you know our weakness is an opportunity for God's strength to be on display. See, our weakness, the stuff that we hold on to, the things that, you know, we say, I'm not good enough, I'm not talented enough, I'm not worthy enough, this has happened to me, that has happened to me, I'm just not good enough, I'm weak, that's when his strength steps in. See, our weakness is a moment, is, a, is an opportunity for his strength to be on display. I love that. If you heard nothing else tonight, you can walk out with the knowledge, with the assurance, with the promise that your weakness, if you just took it before the Father, said, you know what, God, I, I'm not the best husband. I'm not the best worker. I'm not the best student. I failed here. I don't have the talents and the giftings and abilities that I have. I've put myself up against other people all my life and I'm weak. You know what happens in that moment? His strength steps in. Oh, that's good news. You should be jumping out of your seats. Man, when I, when I read this story, when I read this miracle, remember what I've said? Like, it's not just the miracle. It's not that he just put some mud on the dude's eyes and he was healed and he could see. He was blind since birth. We don't know how old he was. But he was blind since birth. But like, <laughs> it's amazing to me that it's not just the miracle that happened, but it's what surrounds the miracles that are amazing to me. You can say amen. It's the miracles themselves that are great, but it's what's surrounding them that are greater. And so I read this amazing story of who Jesus is, and I go, wow, Jesus, speak to me, because I... I want to know you greater. I want to know you deeper. Is that anybody else's prayer in the room? Anybody else's desire? You can slip your hand up if it is. So Jesus reveals some stuff to me. 
Show me. I want to grow deeper with you. I want your glory to be on display. I want your honor to be on display. I want your grace to be on display in my life. I want to see it. And so he goes, okay, JP. You want it? I'll show you. So there's a few things tonight that come from that story. But let me just share a little bit of more background of what's happening here. This man is blind since birth. Said it a few times. He's blind. Can't see a thing. Like, walked up to him. He ain't seeing that. Sitting at the pool. Sitting at the place right outside the temple. And Jesus is running out. And Jesus sees this guy there. And walks up to this man. Doesn't say who he is. Nothing. And the disciples, we're going to get to that. They ask him, what caused this? What caused this? But Jesus says, "Uh uh-uh. I got some work to do. I got some healing that needs to be done. I got some restoration that needs to be done. I got some miracle working power that needs to be done. So Jesus picks up some mud, puts it on the dude's eyes, and he's awake. Wide eye. But you know what is amazing? That pool that he told them to go check out. Why does he tell him to go wash himself in the pool? See, that pool means scent. You guys with me? The pool means scent. You know what's amazing about Jesus? He didn't heal him and say, ah, you're good to go, go. He said, go to the pool that is called the pool scent. I would say it again, but I don't know how to say that word, and it's really awkward. You guys would all laugh at me, and I'd be very insecure. My weakness would be known. He says, go to that pool. Why? Because that pool scent, man, this is Jesus was promised us to be sent. See, in the Old Testament, there was a scripture that said, a lot of scriptures that said, there's going to be one to come. There was going to be one that was going to be sent to save mankind. See, there's going to be somebody. You don't have to go before the religious people. You don't have to go before the priests, the Pharisees. No, there's going to be someone that comes and is sent. He's going to be sent. And he's going to be the one that you have access to. The one that you can get directly to the throne room of heaven with. Sent. Why does Jesus send him to that place? Because I believe he wants everybody around there to see this man healed. To know that the one was promised, that one that was promised thousands of years before, the one that was promised was there. The one that was promised to be sent was there. See, he did the miracle. Maybe this is just me. I love this. But the promise was there. The Savior of the world was right there and tells this man, go to the pool that was sent because I want everybody else to know. I'm trying to get my people's attention. See, that pool was right outside the temple. Why was that pool right outside the temple? You ask? I'll tell you. Because I believe Jesus wanted to show his glory. Jesus wanted to show who he was to all these people that were dogging him wanting to hurt him, saying he wasn't the man. He was trying to show who he was. The Savior was right there. You could say amen. The Savior was there. He showed up, healed a man, said, go wash yourself in the pool so that the rest of this people around me can see my glory, can see my honor, can see how good I am to them. How many know that he was sent for us? He was sent for you. He wasn't just sent for a couple people. He wasn't just sent for that blind man. He was sent for all of us. Tonight he's 
speaking to some people that says, hey, come wash yourself in the pool. You know, that pool was known to be Jesus' pool. Some theologians, and I don't have all the time to go into it, some theologians would say that was Jesus' pool, like his private pool. Probably, maybe. But that pool represented Jesus. How crazy is that? Like that was his own beach house, little private area, pool, everything. They were like, you want to go party with Jesus? I got the pool. We're going. I would be like, yep, I'm there. Probably got the best food, best lounge chairs, best sun. You're getting a good tan. That was Jesus' pool. And he tells the man, I want to get my glory out for the world to see. But there's some revelations that I just want to get across tonight, I guess. I want, to, I want you to catch. Because it's the miracle that's great, but it's what surrounds it that's greater. And I want this church to know Jesus, to still be the Jesus of that day today. And so there's just three things. Is that all right? Is this encouraging you? Three things, and we're out of here. We're going to go back into the world and be a bright light into this world. Amen? Three things. The first is this. Choose the what over the why. Choose the what over the why. See, in the message version of the Bible, it's a paraphrase. I read it sometimes. But when the disciples ask Jesus, hey, Jesus, who sinned, his mother or his father? In the message, it says, Jesus says, you're asking the wrong question. That jumped out to me. See, you're asking the wrong questions, disciples. You're asking the why. You're asking the why is this man blind instead of seeing all the miracles, seeing everything that I've done in the past, and you're still wanting to know why? you got the Savior of the world, the one that can heal anybody, standing right before you. You want to know why this man is sick? You know what I want to believe that I would have? Maybe this is just me, but I want to be like, hey, Jesus, this dude's blind. You fed 5,000. You healed the centurion, the son, the official son. You've healed all these people. I don't need to know why he's blind, but can you just heal him? Can you just heal him, please? But see, we forget. We forget. We forget his faithfulness. We forget what he's done in our life. We forget. See, we think we should be somewhere else. We think we should have more. We think we deserve better. We think we should build our lives. See, we forget. And so when we forget, when they forgot his faithfulness, they go, why? Instead of what? See, what, Jesus, what can you do to this man? See, what, Jesus, how can you get glory? See, Jesus, how can you be glorified in this moment? See, I think there's some people in this room that are sitting there in your situations and your circumstances, and you're going, why, God? Why? Why haven't you moved yet? Why haven't you redeemed my situation yet? Why haven't you given me what I need, what I want? Why, God? Has anybody been there? Me. Just me, a couple of us, praise the Lord, we'll all go see counseling after this. Why haven't you done the stuff that you promised in your word to do? Why haven't you given me the job that I deserve? Why haven't you given me that husband or that wife that I think I need to have? Because maybe, you know what, you ain't ready. Because instead of trying to figure out the why, maybe you should figure out the what. What am I doing right now to give God glory? Hello. What am I doing right now in my life to bring glory to the Father? What can I do in my situation, in my job right now, where I don't like where I'm at, 
But you know what? Maybe right now in the what, I can give God glory. Because I don't need to know why I'm here. I don't need to know why I'm in this situation right now. I don't need to know why you've placed me here. I just want to give you glory and honor and praise. See, we get caught up in the why. We get caught up in the why all the time. Why, God, have you forsaken me? He's never forsaken you. Maybe the better question is, is what are you teaching me? What are you trying to show me? What are you trying to do in me? See, maybe you're trying to do something in me right now because five years, ten years, fifteen years down the line, what you're doing in me right now will affect where I go in those years. See, maybe what you're doing right now, God, I don't need to know the why. I just want you, and I'm just going to keep asking you, teach me. Teach me. Show me. Show me. Teach me. Show me. Is this making sense? See, we got Christians today, we got followers of Jesus that just want to put a why on why Jesus does stuff. You know, I'm a pastor. And there's often times that people come up to me and they say, why, JP? Why is this happening to my life? Why did this happen? You know what I say a lot of times? I say, let's pray to figure out what he's doing. See, if I don't have the answers, because I believe God's trying to train some people in the situations they're in right now. See, we always don't need to have the answers. We don't need to have the solutions to the problems. We just need to have the faith to believe that God's doing something in that moment. This is good. So I, my heart for you, my, my desire for this church is to stop asking the why. Stop asking the why am I still here where I'm at. Because you maybe aren't being faithful where you're at. See, why, God, haven't you given us a building, a space to call our own? I ask God those questions for this church. You're like, JP, we got a great space. Yes, we do. But I just don't want to stay here. I want to have something else. I want to have more. But you know what? Sometimes I just need to say, God, what are you doing? What are you doing? Do I need to train our leaders better? Do I need to invest in the people that we've been given? Do I just need to be faithful and trust you in this moment? Maybe that's what I need to do. So shut up, JP. So maybe you all need to just say, what? What, God, what are you trying to teach me? What are you trying to show me? Second thing is this. When we cannot see Christ, Christ still sees us. So twofold here, right? The man's blind. He can't see a thing. Christ sees him. That's good. I mean, Christ sees a blind man there and says, I'm going to go for this. That dude didn't know who showed up in front of him. Christ saw him. Jesus saw him. Pursued him. But if you go to verse 8. It says this, real quick. His neighbors and those who had formerly seen him begging asked, isn't that the same man who used to sit and beg? Some claimed that he was. Others said, no, he only looks like him. But he himself insisted, I am the man. How then were your eyes open, they asked. He replied, the man they called Jesus made some mud and put it on my eyes. He told me to go to the pool of da 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 and wash. So I went and washed, and then I could see. Where is this man, they asked. I don't know. I don't know where he's at. How many of you know Jesus knew where that man was at at that moment? She. I'm going to do my best to articulate this. Is that all right? See, this man was blind, and now he could see. 
And now he's standing before people and people are asking him, who did the work in your life? Who changed you? Who restored you? Who does it? And he goes, I don't, I don't know where he's at. I can't see him. I can't see him. But how many of you know the man was changed still? Christ still saw him. Because we're going to get there, I promise. We're going to get to what I'm trying to say. But Christ sees you. Jesus sees you in your situation. Jesus sees who you are right now. Whether you're caught up. Whether you're on the mountaintop. He's like, I see you, my son. I see you, my daughter. I love you. I'm pursuing you. I'm with you hand in hand. Just come to me. Come on. Come on. I'll open up your eyes to the things I want for you. But just come on. When we cannot see Christ sees us. That's all I got for point two. <laughs> There's nothing deep there. Dude was blind. He sees. Christ saw him. He was shut off. You got some people in the room tonight that are just shut off. Shut off. You can't see anything right now. You're so caught up in this world, the cares, the fears, the anxieties, the sin. You can't see straight. Your eyes are straight cross-eyed. And he sees you. He sees you. He sees you. And the last point is this, is Jordan can come up. I love this. He's never done working on us. He's never done working on us. Never, ever. Never, ever, ever. He's always working on us. See, he sees you. So when he sees you, he has compassion on you. He has love for you. So when he has love and compassion for you, what do I take away from that? He's working on me. He's still changing me. He's still restoring me. He's still coming after me. From the beginning of time to the end of time, he's going to keep coming after me. Alex, come here. This is my cousin. He's awesome. We look like twins. Not at all. Take those glasses off. Come here. Close your eyes. See, I love this story. Just stand there, Alex. You're good. You're doing great. Everyone's staring at you. See, this is amazing. Dude was blind. He could see. God was keep working on him. God was still working on him. God was still pursuing him. But why? Why do you use mud and saliva? Keep your eyes closed. Anybody ever wonder that? Why would Jesus spit in some mud? That's the grossest thing I could ever imagine. He didn't just stop right there. No, he spit in the mud, stirred it up, and then said, hey, mud, do you trust me? <laughs> he says, no. Come on, man, I'm your pastor, I'm your cousin. He spits in the mud, stirs it up, he puts it in his hand, and puts it on the guy's eyes. You want to know why? Because man came from dust. Man came from earth. Man came from dirt. And Jesus says, hey, I want to remind you, man, that where you've come from, I've seen you from the very beginning of time. 
I've known you from birth. I've known you from the creation in your mother's womb. So I'm going to remind you. I'm going to spit in some mud. I'm going to stir it up, and I'm going to put it back on your eyes. What I created you with, I'm going to heal you with. How I was faithful to you as a child, I'm going to be faithful to you with right now. And he puts it on his eyes, and the guy opens his eyes. Open your eyes. And he could see. He could see. Thank you. He used mud. He used mud to show us that he's never done working on us. He's never given up on us. He knew from the beginning that that man was created. Mankind was created from mud. Is this making sense? See, I always read that story and go, why in the world mud? Like, why? Why couldn't he just spoke a word, told him, you're healed, I'm out? Because he needed to remind some people. He's never done working on us. He's never done changing us. He's never done restoring us. He's never done. See, I'm just going to read this to close. It's verse 35. It's a lot happens that the Pharisees find out this blind man was healed, and they question what happened, and they kick him out of the temple because they don't believe what happened. It says this, Jesus heard that they had thrown him out of the temple, and when he found him, he said, do you believe in the Son of Man? Now, Jesus, like I just said, he's never done working. So this man was healed, but now Jesus shows up to him to reveal himself even greater. Praise God for that. He says, do you know, do you believe in the Son of Man? Who is he, sir? The man asked. Tell me, so that I may believe in him. Jesus said, you have now seen him in fact. He is the one speaking. (laughs) You've seen him. You're face to face with him right here. I'm the one that healed you. I'm the one that made you. I'm the one that put you together. I'm right here. I'm in front of you. Then the man said, Lord, I believe. And he started to worship him. Lord, I believe. I want to worship you. Lord, I don't don't have it all together. I don't have the right stuff. I don't have it all together. But I want to believe and I want to worship you. I may be broken, I may be unfixable, but I still believe in you because you're the one that can fix me. You're the one that can heal me. You're the one that rip out stuff that doesn't belong and put in a kingdom that's never failing, never ending. A love that is so deep. A love that's so deep that went to a cross and died for you. He's never done. He's never done working on us. Bow your heads. Close your eyes. Tonight, I just believe there's some people in this room tonight that just need to say, you know what, I'm done. I give up. I need my eyes of my heart to be open. I need the eyes of my heart to be open. This grace that I'm feeling, this love that I'm feeling, I want to receive it. I want to know it. So I believe he's speaking to some people tonight. I don't know who you are, where you come from. We're almost done. But this is the greatest thing that we could do all night. This is the greatest moment. Some people are about to get a birthday. A brand new start. Not a second chance, a brand new start at this thing called life. They're about to get a brand new eternal life tonight. So if you're in this room tonight and you say, you know what, Jay, Pastor, I... I'm blind. 
I need my eyes open. I need my heart open. I just want you to, to raise your hand on the count of three. It's not to let everybody around you know, but it's for us to stand in agreement with heaven. Praying a prayer together. It's not the prayer that saves. It's you believing in your heart that he is Lord and you confess it with your mouth and you will have eternal life. Tomorrow is not promised. Don't wait. Don't miss it. We don't know what's to come. We don't know what's next. But we know that there's a king in the room tonight that's trying to get your attention. He's trying to open up your eyes. So on the count of three, if that's you in the room and you want to start a brand new start, or maybe you've been running from him and you just need a second start, I want you to slip your hand up in the count of three. One, he loves you. Two, he died for you. Three, he wants to spend eternity with you. If you're in the room, slip your hand up right now. Amen. Keep him up. Keep him up. If you have your hand up, I just want you to pray this prayer. And if you're around, everyone, just pray this prayer out loud. Jesus. I receive you. Forgive me. My eyes are open. My heart is open. Invade me. Take over. I choose you tonight. You are my king. You are my savior. You are my healer. You are my God. And I will serve you all the days of my life. I receive your spirit tonight. I love you you. Jesus, I thank you for each and every person that looked up, slipped their hand up tonight, and even those that couldn't, God. I just praise you, God, for you are worthy of it. I pray, Jesus, that you remind them every single day, every hour, every minute that you love them, that you are pursuing them, that you care for them, that you are their God, you are their provider, you are their protector, you are their healer and restorer. Jesus, I just declare peace and truth over each and every person in this room tonight, for you are worthy, oh God. You are worthy of our praise. So, Father, we say thank you tonight. We bless your name. We honor you. We praise you. It's in Jesus' name we ask. Why don't you stand to your feet and praise the Lord. Let's go stand to your feet. Lift up the voices to Jesus.